happy little bluebirds fly beyond the rainbow. Why? Yeah, why? Why? Why can't I? Gentlemen, John here for The Natural Lifestyles. Is your life on autopilot? Do you find yourself exhausted and frustrated by the kind of work that you have to be involved with? Are you really able to intervene into the social matrix to connect with others and find the people that you really want to spend time with, the girls that you really want to date, and the kind of career that you would really feel satisfied and fulfilled by? Ten years ago, I was there. Ten years ago, I was a frustrated high school English and drama teacher. Now, I'm running my own English teaching business on the other side of the world. I work as a full-time dating and lifestyle coach for The Natural Lifestyles. I also work as a musician, not only on the street, but playing in venues and creating music videos and documentaries in order to promote myself as a performer. And I also still find time to work as a part-time tree, alpaca and truffle farmer. How did I make this transition? What I want to talk to you about today is what we refer to as lifestyle design. In other words, finding the location, the work and the people that you really want to be around, that you really want to be involved with, rather than just settling for what's there, for what's being given to you. Let's tune in. Welcome to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast with your hosts, James Marshall and Liam McRae, where we will be diving deep into the issues of modern masculinity, seduction, dating, lifestyle design, sexuality, psychedelics, you name it. This is the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Let's be clear about what we're talking about here. What is lifestyle design? Well, really, it encompasses everything to do with your life. Lifestyle design, first of all, is where you live or the places that you live in as I'll explain when I get on to talking about where I've gotten to in my life right now. So where do you live globally and locally? What parts of the world? What parts of the city? What kind of habitation do you inhabit? What kind of work do you do? What's your income or your income streams? And what are the career areas that you are involved with? And lastly, who do you spend your time with in dating, social circle, friendship and family? It's this last point which is the most crucial, being empowered socially. The first principle of lifestyle design that I want to share with you is be aware of the social aspect of everything. Whatever you do in life, other people will always be involved and your ability to interact smoothly and effectively with them is crucial. Social skills determine so much of success. You need to build alliances and share resources with key allies also, social connectedness determines so much of life satisfaction. I believe that at the absolute bottom of it, the most important thing is to be connected with the people that you want to be connected with. It doesn't matter if you have all of the possessions in the world. It sounds like a truism that perhaps you've been told before, but unless you have other people to share it with, unless you can escape from your own aloneness and really enjoy the company of those who you are turned on by and inspired by, not going to be as good a trip. Now, in my life, I followed basically the same career that many people have followed. The career path that is where you, you study, you, you find a job, okay? You go to university to get a qualification to go and get a job. I was always interested in literature and in theater and in acting. So those were the majors that I chose when I went to study a Bachelor of Arts with Honours at Australian National University, Australia's number three university. So we're talking about top qualifications here. Like I said, I did an honours year, so I, I did qualify myself properly. While I was working at university, of course, I needed part-time work to support myself because, like in just about every country, the government support wasn't enough. They weren't paying me enough to survive while I gave myself a qualification so I could go back and serve society. I worked at a bookstore part-time. What I also did was had a part-time career as an actor, working in different settings and also as a theatre maker. Now, this, as well as providing income, provided me with an opportunity to get practical experience 
which would go alongside the very theoretical-based course that I was doing at the National University. When I finished that degree, I decided it was finally time to get a real job. And I'm not sure that's a phrase you've heard many times throughout your, your life. When are you going to get a real job? Okay, it's like, when are you going to stop fucking around and get a real relationship? You know, one that's monogamous, one that's along the lines of, of what everybody else has accepted as the status quo. Time for me to get a real job. Besides, I was sick and tired of being broke. That's the life of a student and I'd had enough of it. So I went and did a year-long diploma of secondary education. Then I moved to Melbourne and got a full-time job as a high school teacher, making around 50K a year. It was amazing after being a, star a starving student to get that salary coming in. And I remember when I moved into a share house with James Marshall in 2006, it gave me so much pleasure to be able to offer to pay for the big first big grocery bill because at that stage, a rare moment in history, for once, I was making more money than James Marshall. Wow! <laughs> that definitely will never happen again, I don't, I don't think. And, and, unless I hit the big time as like, I don't know, some kind of big actor or something. Never mind. I started my education uh, career with a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of energy, and a lot of idealism. The average age of a teacher, how, how long they live for, what's your best guess? How long does a teacher survive for? It's usually four years. Why? They face burnout. Teachers who really care, who really love their students, and are in the job not only because they love their subject area, for me, theatre studies, literature, drama, acting, but also they love and care about these young people. They want to give these young people a chance. But the system is so overloaded and under-resourced these people become exhausted. The teachers get, get burnt out, the good ones anyway, the ones that actually give a shit, the ones who don't are quite happy just to cruise along. That's what gradually happened to me over the course of my teaching career. By the time I'd been teaching for three years, the cracks started to seriously appear. And not only because of that, in that year, 2010, where I started this talk 10 years ago, January of that year, I had just completed a 10-day Vipassana meditation retreat. Now, anybody who knows anything about the natural lifestyles knows how important meditation is to our practice, to our training. It's the absolute foundation. Why? Because it's so powerful. No joke, no mistake, that 10-day course changed my life. The only other set of 10 days that has changed my life as profoundly is the 10-day Euro tour that James coaches every, every year, twice, in May and in September. I'm going to get onto that later in the story, though. For now, I had really woken up. I had suddenly realized I wasn't really in control of my life. I wasn't really making the decisions to determine what I was doing, where I was going. I was simply going with the flow. I was going down tracks that had been set down before me. These tracks existed in the external reality, with the traditional mode that my family was used to taking, the study and then career, as well as marriage. Uh, all, all of my siblings, uh, aside from one who has an intellectual disability, have all gotten into long-term relationships and had children, which I think is totally fine. I wasn't quite so ready to do that because I had this realization moment. I'm not in the driver's seat. I'm asleep at the wheel, okay? I was asleep at the wheel in my relationship as much as in my career. The woman who I was planning to get married to at that time, I'd been together with for three years. She was an old friend from university that I'd reconnected with over the summer. Because you see, at this stage of my life, I, like the vast majority of guys, had to, was forced to, inevitably got into relationships that came from either social circle or work or some random hook up at a bar possibly, or these days more and more from dating apps. In other words, I had little to no agency. The Vipassana meditation retreat really helped me to wake up to that fact and realize it. I was like somebody in a car who suddenly came out of a micro-sleep and realized he was about to smash into a pole. Quite literally, as I was describing previously, as you work year in, year out as a high school teacher, Despite the sizable holidays that you get over the Christmas time, the job basically takes over your entire life. I would be driving out to the suburbs before 8 a.m., already exhausted, having marked English essays until late the night before, taking work home with me. 
uh, and looking forward to another day of stress, frustration and far too much work. Having to connect with hundreds of different students who all expected me to remember their name and to remember the important details of their life. Basically the truth about us teachers is that first and foremost we're parents raising the next generation because mum and dad are at work. As I hurtled down the highway heading towards that suburban high school, I'm not proud of it, but I seriously considered just how many degrees it would take to turn that wheel, just how fast I would need to make the impact that would just end it all. Okay? I was sleepwalking. As you saw before, I'm a musician and performer. That's something that's come naturally to me, it's something that I've always enjoyed. At this point in my life, the one thing that I could do in order to get relief from this absolute nightmare that I was living, this horrible job that had taken over my entire life, was to get down to my favourite funky graffiti-covered alleyway in Melbourne City, set up with my ukulele, and play, and play, and play. Go into a kind of trance, doing what you saw me do before, street performance. It was next to this charming crepery. I knew the owner and he liked my music. So sometimes I would sit there for up to six hours and just forget that I was a high school teacher. I would play until I had forgotten, oh yeah, this is my life. This has taken over my life. One of these mornings when I came out of this trance that I was in, I suddenly realized, wow, my life is passing away one day at a time. And really, I enjoy doing this street performance more than I enjoy doing the teaching. It was this time that I started to think creatively about the way that I did things. I was making about $20 an hour doing that busking, although I wasn't really interested in the income. I started to think, what if I was able to take my two income streams, the income I was receiving from teaching, the income that I was receiving as a musician, and flip them around? I knew already when I was searching for a job as a full-time high school teacher, that I could work as a part-time English coach for $30 an hour. I thought to myself, if I set myself up doing, say, 12 to 15 hours of that a week, that would cover basic rent and bills, and then I would be free to explore myself as a street performer and see if I could turn that into the bigger income stream, the main income stream. After studying for five years, after working in, in high schools for about the same amount of time, pumping blood, sweat and tears into this particular education career, it honestly felt crazy to take all those qualifications and experience and basically throw them away. Now, I didn't actually do that, as you'll find out later in the story. But the honest truth is, I'm not somebody who can compromise. If I find myself in, in a position which is simply unsustainable, I have to do something about it. I'm someone who genuinely believes that this time is all we have. It seems obvious to me, we won't get this resource back again. So I started to save money. I wanted to have a strategic safety net behind me before I went and made this big leap, this big change. This brings me to a couple of more points that I want to emphasize. The first one is be prepared to take risks. James has said this before in presentations. The truth is, the biggest risk is taking no risks at all. Just staying on the rails, taking the safe options, doing what other people tell you to do, okay? Taking pre-planned routes, walking the beaten path, basically. Now, the crucial thing to understand, though, is that these risks should be strategic decisions surrounding your living situation, your workplace or places, and the social networks Decisions that move you away from boredom and frustration and onto new interesting, ever more desirable endeavors. That's what I'm encouraging you to do. Please don't take away from this video that you should quit your job tomorrow and go and do what you enjoy most doing. Go and follow your passion, okay? That is basic advice which is basically useless. Instead, another principle I'm giving you here is diversify your income streams. This can help you to explore passions like you see me doing with my street performance job. And you can fit these jobs together, as you'll see, like I'm talking about with the coaching job, which is a higher amount of money that I can earn quickly, C certainly three times as much as I could make working in a cafe. James has talked about this previously. For him, it was massage. 
when we were in that share house together that I was talking about back in 2006, he was able to get out of bed at the same time that I was getting back from work after doing a full day uh, at the high school. Why? Because he had a, mass, a job as a, mass, as a massage therapist, which allowed him to earn a big amount of money in a small amount of time. This gave him the freedom to start and create the natural lifestyles. So there I was in Sydney, working as a street performer. I'd made a move from Melbourne to Sydney to do that and done some experimentation beforehand. Like I said, there was planning that went into this. It wasn't a spontaneous, spit the dummy, throw everything away kind of move. The thing that was the absolute worst about being a high school teacher and having your entire life swallowed up by the high school was, I wasn't meeting any women. Something else I need to explain at this point in my life is probably what you're wondering already. How is that possible when you're best friends with James Marshall? Well, something I want to point out to you guys who are considering doing a workshop, something I realize working in sales for our company and meeting guy after guy after guy who's coming and talking to me about the same frustrations that I'm describing right now. Something I realize is that the big commitment here is not the money, it's not the time, it's not even the fear of actually having to go and face it. I believe at the bottom of it, the thing that holds back a lot of guys, maybe more than anything, is their pride. It takes humility to say, hey, no one ever taught me how to meet women and engage with them. And I'm not very good at doing it. I don't know how to do it, okay? And I, and I, I haven't been very capable of doing that in my life. It takes a lot of humility to do that. This is the truth of the situation though. This is a missing piece of life education. I know this so well from being a high school teacher. You're lucky if you get good sex education, let alone an understanding of how to go and engage with others. It's, it's really a crime of society. And that's why we end up with uh, people like this who can't think for themselves and wanna, wanna, wanna tear others down, okay? <laughs> it's all a great big trap, all right? You are given literacy and numeracy skills so you can go and become a cog in a machine you can go and find a job. What you're not given is the interpersonal skills in order to make your life more satisfying. In my humble opinion, it's an enormous fuck up on the point of society, because if we had more satisfied people, we would have lower divorce rates, lower homicide rates, lower crime rates, etc., etc., etc. It took me a long time to admit that I needed help on how to meet women and how to date them. Even though James Marshall was my best friend, and maybe that made it even more difficult, because at the end of the day, after a lot of resistance, I was going to have to come to him and say, hey, I know you have something to teach me. This simply hadn't happened up until this point in the story though. I'd gone out at nighttime sometimes with James, but I'd never been able to go and do a day game approach. That's something I'd never been able to bring myself to do. It just simply felt wrong. And besides, like I said earlier, I just simply wasn't having the opportunities. I was in a high school five days a week often doing work on the weekends, either managing the school production as a drama teacher, or just catching up on marking, on creating uh, the next set of curriculum that I was going to present to my students. Like I've said a number of times, the job had taken over my life. But suddenly, as a street performer, there I was in the middle of the busy city, with beautiful women going past me every moment. I remember when, when I first set up, with my brand new busking setup, which included the amplifier and the microphone that you saw before, a woman came to me and said she really liked the cover of Take On Me by Aha that I was playing. I was frozen. She was gorgeous. I didn't know what to do. I had the opportunities there, but I wasn't socially empowered to make the most out of them. I began to improve as a busker because my technical ability started to improve. If you were a musician, I can't recommend this more highly, to get out on a street corner and play for hours and hours and hours. Your chops will improve uh, immeasurably. And besides, you'll find out whether you're really any good or not. What I'd set myself was an artistic challenge. I would either be a successful artist and create something that people appreciated and enjoyed, or I would starve. Luckily, I was an artist after all and started to develop myself. I also started to found, find better spots to play in. All the time though, my head was down. I was playing like this. Okay? I wasn't performing in the way that you saw me at the start of this video. So 
even though I was surrounded by every opportunity in the world to meet women, they were walking by me or even standing there admiring my show, I was unable to step out of my new comfort zone. Okay, even though I was in the middle of the street performing something that might be intimidating for many people, I was unable to step out of that and, and maximize it. So what was I doing? I was still relying on social circle. I dated a girl from my social circle. One time I did manage to go on a date with a girl who came to me while I was busking, but it was because she had done all the work for me. During my first six months as a busker, towards the end of it, I ended up getting into a drunken hookup with a close friend of a close friend of mine. And that completely ruined that close friendship that I had. Luckily this year that I quit my job as a high school teacher and went to become a full-time street performer, this year I had planned some major personal development for myself. The first thing I planned to do was to go to India for a year with my father and travel with him. This was my way of putting the icing on a cake of reconciliation that I had been working on with him over, over many, many years. To say it simply, uh, my mother and father had conceived myself and my brothers and sisters in the middle of a Christian sex cult. So you can just imagine how much time and effort it took to rehabilitate that relationship after the hideous abuse and trauma that we suffered that was then repressed and internalized. After spending a month in India with my father, I flew from Bombay to Budapest, where we are right now, to meet up with James Marshall and go on the Euro tour. Like I said earlier, it was finally time for me to humble myself. I'd been resisting this like many guys that I've spoken to now in my coaching career. Guys who get it into their heads that going over to approach a beautiful woman who you see in the street is wrong. It was time for me to break that limiting belief. And when we went to Prague to start the Euro Tour with guest coach Sasha Daygame, and we started doing social freedom drills in the square, and for the first time in my life, I gave myself permission to go over there and talk to that beautiful woman who I was interested in, I remember that it was like the walls were literally wobbling. Why? Because I was reconditioning my mind in such a powerful way. I had an absolutely fantastic Euro tour, okay? And any guy who is considering making the investment, I cannot encourage you enough. You will have an absolutely fantastic time. I started off by having a one night stand with a wonderful Brazilian girl who I met on the street at nighttime. Went to one bar with and then took home again. Then uh, myself and Gareth Jones, one of the coaches I work alongside now here, our, one of our favorite guest coaches here at TNL, teamed up to create what we called Arrow Game, where he would go in as the high energy American guy and break into a group of girls. I would follow as the calm shaft of the arrow to hold it steady. This is where you've got to, Gareth. It's okay, I'm Australian. The two of us met a couple of lovely French girls and had a, had a, a romance with them that went from Prague to Budapest. Then we reached Belgrade, and there I met a lovely lady who was studying philosophy and who read Bukowski, and, and we had a, a week-long amazing affair. All of this stuff was just next level. It was, it was like nothing I'd ever experienced before, and it completely changed my outlook. When I got back to Sydney, and I could see beautiful women admiring me as I played my busking show, I was able to step out and capitalize on those opportunities and my head was lifted. I finally had the courage to look at people who were enjoying my show in the face and to smile and really start pumping out good energy. From here, my lifestyle design experiment in Sydney absolutely exploded. Within a couple of months, I was dating an absolutely gorgeous girl who was over there from, from England. I found myself a wonderful girlfriend. I met a guy in the street also from England, who was a musician. The two of us formed a, a two-piece band. We recorded an, an EP, started playing gigs, started getting better gigs, started making more money. A talent agent saw me playing one day and put her card into my box. Soon I found myself performing uh, as an extra in commercials and, and in, and in uh, feature-length proper professional productions. Things were really happening for me. The reason for that was like I'm trying to describe, the new levels of social empowerment that I had. It wasn't enough for me to have enough bravery to step out and start doing what I wanted to do on the street. I really needed to marry that together with the kind of social ability that you develop, the kind of confidence, uh, the kind of ability to make an intervention into the social matrix that comes with any one of our training programs. What happened next, sadly, 
My hand slipped and I lost the reins. After this girlfriend and I had broken up, I fell into a depression, which left me unable to play on the street anymore, which really crippled my income. And it was at this stage that I was really grateful that I'd invested time and energy into what I thought was now a reconciled and, and healthy relationship with my parents. So what did I do? I gave up in despair and went back down to Melbourne. I re-entered my teaching career thinking, okay, I'm gonna give in, it's been crazy, it's been fun, but it's time for me to go back and take up my full-time teaching career again. The main influence guiding that decision was my father. He would say to me, John, no woman is ever going to look at you at a full, as a full-time prospect unless you are able to pay for a house, unless you have a full-time job. Basically, he was indoctrinating me with this, the same idea that you get generally in society. Women are looking for a breadwinner. You better be that guy. You better be safe. You better be sure. Now, I'm all for making strategic decisions, taking risks in a way that is calculated. But if everything is safe and sure in life, it's sure that you will, you will be bored. It's sure that you will have your true desires and creative impulses squashed. That's what I felt happening to me. And even if I wanted to stay there, I couldn't. I had to break back out of that again, return to Sydney and restart my career as a street performer slash English teacher. That was all there waiting for me. And I continued and enjoyed that for quite some time. I continued to make experiments with my lifestyle design. Like I said before, lifestyle design is about living where you want to live, not just in the world, but also within your particular city. Many people live in a less desirable area because it, it's cheaper. I came up with a hack that would be, that would enable me to live in the areas that I still desire to live in, the eastern suburbs of Sydney, which is one of the most expensive areas in the world, and still not pay the hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of rent per week that comes with such an area. The solution was van life. This is something that maybe you guys uh, have come across on the internet or, or wherever you get your information already. Fitting out a van so that it's a nice comfortable house for you and then saying goodbye to paying rent. Okay, saying goodbye to paying a mortgage. Again, after having a first lifestyle experiment pay off for me, I was, I was more keen than ever to see if I could make this work for myself. It did work, and maybe the first question you're asking me is, bro, could you still get girls to come back to the van? Yeah, I could. <laughs> they were excited, and we could camp, or, or basically stealth camp, as they call it, park in an area that was really nice, and, and enjoy a lovely evening together. This, along with the street performance that I was already doing, was leading to a very nice lifestyle for me. Because I had this newfound confidence, I could not only engage with women that I was attracted with on the street, but also people who were interested in booking me as a wedding singer or to play for their private parties or to play gigs at, at whatever. I was doing really well for myself and enjoying the work that I was doing. When a friend of mine suggested that I could also have a part-time job as a disability support worker, I jumped at the opportunity. This worked really well together with the work that I was doing because working as a street performer is a very high energy career. I would play for six to eight hours usually for a busking session, which would leave me very satisfied, but very exhausted. Being a disability support worker meant that I could leverage the social skills that I had already, having had a sibling who, a younger sibling who had a disability. I was somebody already familiar with this area and that it was a possibility to do this kind of work. I could leverage that to get a career that was actually quite relaxing for me. Being a support worker often means just giving somebody who, because of their disability, finds it difficult to get out and enjoy all, all, of, the, uh, all of the areas and parts of normal life that the rest of us take for granted. So often what I would be doing would be taking somebody bowling, taking somebody for a walk in the park. Or one of my favorite clients, we would ride the trains around visiting the firefighters at fire stations around Sydney. He had autism and that was his obsession. Another wonderful thing about this career was that it really developed my people skills onto a deeper level. Something I realized during this career is something that you've 
heard from me before and that you've maybe heard from other people before. The literal words coming out of the mouth don't really matter as much as non-verbal aspects of communication. And when you're working closely with someone with autism whose way of speaking is like this, literally he does that all day, you need to find some way to vibe with this guy. You need to find some way to read and send non-verbal signals. It sounds crazy, but I learned an enormous amount through that job about how to work with other people, how to interact with women, and also how to work with you guys. Everybody has their own unique psychology. And doing that for, for two years really helped me to develop myself and to know that no matter who it was, no matter how they communicated, I would always find some way to resonate with, with, with this other person that I was being presented with. By now I was feeling pretty empowered and I was still in touch with James. Like I said earlier, in 2012 I made the big move to Sydney. James made the big move over here to Europe. This was the next evolution of the natural lifestyles where because there was so much work for him in Europe, this was the natural place for him to be based. We would reconnect every year though when he would come back to Australia over the summer. And in one of these years I realised I wanted to spend more time with him I wanted to get myself over to Europe and see if I could take my lifestyle uh, design experiment of moving from Melbourne to Sydney to become a street performer over to the other side of the world. One of the bravest things that I have ever done. That spot you saw me playing in earlier, that's the first spot I set up in when I got over here to Europe, thinking, okay, deep breath, am I going to be able to make it as a street performer on the other side of the world? I don't speak the language in this country. I know a couple of people here. Am I really going to be able to make this work? That first busking session was an absolute success. And not least because I was offered an audition on the X Factor Hungary while I was there. Something which gave me more connections and publicity led to a whole bunch of other stuff that I don't have time to describe here. Me getting over here to Europe though meant that I was in the right place to do something else I was keenly interested in. Working closer with James. Over the years I'd come not just to accept that, what, that James' work was something that was useful for my own life, but, but also that James' work was something that was important in general. Something that could transform the lives of, of many, many guys, perhaps even the world in general. If, if every guy uh, put down his weapon and picked up a woman, it's kind of idea. And so, what did I do? I, I, I went to James and I said, hey, you're my best friend, give me a job, right? Wrong. <laughs> I moved strategically and I did what James himself has counseled many guys to do. James gets many applications from guys who, who quite arrogantly say, oh, hey, uh, I'm interested in working as a dating coach. How about a job? Not even nice try, buddy. And absolutely no cigar. What I did is what James teaches. You want to work with somebody, you want to get into their organization, okay, because you recognize that this guy is a powerful ally and that this guy is somebody who could potentially be a mentor for you to develop the next stage of your career slash careers, okay? You find something that he needs and you offer it to him. Now what this was for James was first of all some editing work. I took a look at the workbook that he was using in, in all of the live workshops that he was teaching and suggested to him that I could edit that to make it even better than it already was. He agreed. I started working on the workbook, which meant that I could be around the scene in general. Then I started to pick up other little bits of editing work. I got to know Alex. When it was time for Alex to work on his sales and marketing paper for his university, I worked closely with Alex and supported him. I did some work for free in my initial stages of TNL. Until, just like with Alex, I was so familiar with the processes, with the content of the business. And besides, I could say to James, hey, I bring skills to this role already because I've developed myself as a seducer, according to the training that you've given me, because I've been able to exercise absolute social freedom and stand out on the street corner, because I'm able to work with anybody because of my career in disability, and also because of my career in education, teaching people and understanding how to transfer information like I'm doing with you right now, hey, maybe I could prepare myself to be a coach. 
James considered it carefully. He never just hires anybody instantly. And eventually, after giving me some detailed training, taking me along on workshops and allowing me to observe him, I found myself working as TNL's latest coach. Now, in order to get myself over here to Europe in the first place, I needed to save some money. So the lifestyle design experiment transferred from Sydney over here to Europe via a very special farm that is run by James' father and his stepmother. There they grow truffles and trees. Now, this is another example of me being willing and ready to take a risk. I quit my job as a support worker in Sydney. I quit my job as an, an actor and extra, and I gave away the street performance for some months to go and work on that farm. That full-time work gave me enough money, enough savings, as a backup to get over here as well. But at the same time, it provided me, not just with a new income stream, because I worked so hard at this farm and created an alliance there that it was something I could always go back to, this has also provided me with an excellent place where I can go and decompress at the end of every year. Working as a TNL coach is crazy. Once that coaching season starts, it just does not stop. We run a yearly conference now that happens in May. We run a, a dozen workshops a year. The commitment is huge as well. During a workshop, we coaches are on call for 24-hour support if we need to be. And the, the investment, the close contact, the, the focus and the detail involved is absolutely exhausting. By the time I finish my year working as a coach with TNL, I am so ready to just stop, dig a hole in the ground, put a tree into that hole, water the tree and say, oh, isn't that nice? It's another example, again, about how different income streams can work together, not to just supplement each other in order to add up to a certain amount of dollars, but also to act as a foil, one for the other. Once I was a street performer, which was very high energy, so I would go and work as a disability support worker in order to get some downtime and enjoy the company of some wonderful people. Now, most of the time I'm working as a coach, producing content like this, speaking at our conference, coaching on the workshops, uh, and everything else that's involved in that, as well as answering your calls. If you're considering, don't, do it. Click the link below, click the link below. You'll talk to me, you really will, you'll talk to me. And I really know what I'm talking about because I'm involved in just about every aspect of this business. That for me is inspiring, it's powerful, and it's part of the general journey that I'm trying to describe for you here. Maybe there are some people who are well suited to just focusing on one career area. Perhaps high school teaching, even like I did. Perhaps some careers even demand that. If you're a research scientist, for example, you need to focus all available time on your ability to understand as closely as possible the area that you're focused on. But what I'm challenging you to think about here is to follow some of these principles that I've been laying down for you and consider in your life, how could you diversify your income streams? How could you possibly turn something that you're passionate about into something that well, isn't going to be your whole career, maybe not straight away, but something that you can draw a little bit of income from and then achieve a bit of satisfaction. Something that means you're doing different work, okay, rather than just the same monotonous, grinding, arduous job day in, day out. This move over here to Europe, as well as my move into a van for six months, my last six months that I spent in Sydney during that phase of, of uh, my life, this illustrates for you another one of the principles I want to give you right now. Be flexible with your living situation. I would advise you if you want to follow a similar path to me and see what's really possible in terms of where you could live in the world, what different types of work you can do, and what people you could really surround your with, yourself with, I would suggest that you minimize your, your immediate possessions. Put things into storage if you need to, or just get rid of that stuff. One good question to ask about a possession that you're maybe carrying around is, have I used this in the past year? For example, when I was studying at university, I had a very big book collection. Of course, I'm interested in literature and, and, uh, and theater. One day I realized that I could get access to those books at the library, that I haven't, hadn't even looked at like 98% of those books in, in the past year. 
Those books were sold to the second-hand bookstore without delay. The only other principle that I haven't mentioned is to do with where we are right now. Location, location, location. I want to ask you, is your living and work environment conducive to renewed social connectedness? Like I was describing before, me locked up in a high school five days a week and sometimes even on the weekend, getting there before 8 a.m. and working there until around 5 p.m., then often having to take home, work home with me and then being just so generally exhausted meant that my dating life was fucked. I'm not saying you have to work out on the street, okay? But if there is some way, be it through work or, or life choice, where you can put yourself into a situation where you have those opportunities to approach and to meet the women that you're attracted to or, or other people as well, people that you might want to bring into your social circle, you really owe it to yourself to engineer your situation in order to achieve that, in order to have that location. Where is a big factor in terms of lifestyle design? Ask yourself, do you actually enjoy spending time in the, in the home and office environments that you have chosen and created? <laughs> There's this crazy thing where a guy is, is in the highway and he realizes going between work and his home and he realizes that he's, what, what, what is the old quote? He's uh, spending more time in his car, right, than, than in his home. Driving, driving down the highway to get to a job that he hates to pay off the home that he never has time to spend in. This is the face palm of modern life. This is what we are working to, to debunk and destroy with this idea of lifestyle design. Ask yourself this, if you could experiment with living in any areas or area of the world, what would they be? I'm not going to say I'm lucky because there was 10 years of work that went behind it. But now I get to enjoy eternal summer. I spend the European summer over here doing the TNL coaching season, playing a little bit of music on the side, letting off some steam still in that busking show. Trust me, I get pretty grumpy sometimes as a, as a dating teacher as well as a high school teacher. Then when it's starting to get too cold for me over here, I head over to Australia to enjoy the summer over there. And like I said, recreate myself by getting back in touch with nature and doing some farm work. Like I'm describing, I now have a number of smaller income streams that add up to a significant income. And these different occupations work together to help me to achieve higher levels of satisfaction in terms of what I'm doing with my life. My latest income scheme is actually to set up my own English teaching business, like I mentioned at the start of this video. Now, this has another purpose to just bringing in income. It allows me to apply for a residency permit here in Hungary, get access to the EU, and to be able to live in this, in this part of the world, to work over here, and like I described a moment ago, to be able to enjoy the endless summer of Europe, and then the Southern Hemisphere in Australia and sometimes New Zealand as well. It's amazing to me, after 10 years, to be going back into education. And I remember swearing when I quit my job that I would only go back and be a teacher again if it was in my own school. Well, I fulfilled that promise to myself and I'm very happy to be able to do that. I want to talk to you about what's happened with my dating life since I moved over here since I've moved over here to Europe and, and spent uh, the majority of my year working over here. But that's something I'm going to save for the next video that I present for you guys. That video, which is part two in a series of three that I'm presenting to you here, beginning with the overarching topic of lifestyle design, moving into relationships, and then talking about inner game, your psychology and how you work with your thought patterns and emotions, that's what I'm working on and that's what you'll see presented from me to the channel over the next little while. To put it in brief though, while I've enjoyed enormous freedom and been able to date some of the most intelligent, amazing, inspiring and sexiest women that I have ever met, I've still had to deal with reoccurring relationship patterns and that's something that I'm going to focus on. This is something that can really fuck you up to put it in layman's terms and as bluntly as possible. 
something that I want to encourage you to do with every opportunity is be aware of your personal paradigm that you formed and how that affects your relationship patterns. But to say in brief, when I first arrived over here, I got into a relationship for a year with a Hungarian woman. It was one of the hottest relationships of my entire life. And not only that, but I also learned a lot from that. My girlfriend was a full-time yoga teacher, something that I embraced fully, again, taking a risk, and it allowed me to develop my relationship with my body and my mind-body-energy phenomenon in ways that I had never imagined before. I stepped out of that relationship and into a period of extreme freedom, where I was dating, among other people, a Ukrainian model. My current girlfriend is half Serbian, half Hungarian, and totally wonderful. She, she inspires me. That's it in brief in terms of relationships for me. That 10 years that I've been trying to describe for you briefly within the space of about an hour, that's been a journey of relationships as well, because we need to remember lifestyle design can, includes everything, even though I've mostly been focusing on where you're living and what you're doing. What I want to do wrapping up this talk right now is just to revisit these five principles that I've given you, five principles that I believe any of you guys can use to apply to your own particular situation. I know you're not all ukulele players. I know you're not all would-be street performers, but you all have passions. You all have to do some kind of work so that you can support yourself. What I wanna challenge you again with is five principles. So tune in, be prepared to take risks. Like I said, what's the biggest risk? It's to take no risk at all. Regrets are made out of usually things that you wish you had done rather than things that you did that you kind of wish that you didn't. That's what people on their deathbed say. So take it from them. Don't just jump off the cliff though, okay? Make sure you pack the parachute. Make your decision strategic. Save up a safety net so that you can explore a new direction in your career like I did. And find other income streams that can support you along the way. Your second principle here, diversify your in income streams. This may well be a way for you to find more satisfaction in your work too. I know I'm the kind of person who likes to do a number of different activities. That's just something basically about me. But honestly, I believe that it's something that develops me in other ways too. For example, being able to do physical labor on a farm means that I can develop my body in ways that walking around and teaching guys how to socialize just doesn't, okay? Or, or teaching English in a classroom just doesn't. It doesn't challenge me physically in the same way. Another thing that that newer job gives to me is for the first time, a way to explore and understand science. I've always seen myself as somebody involved with the arts and always shied away from science. Now, understanding how a forest works, the science of mycology, because I'm growing mushrooms under the ground on tree roots, it's a chance for me to learn about science in a really practical way and continue to develop myself. You see, gentlemen, I'm inspired by the possibility of being a Renaissance man, somebody who understands history, somebody who's able to develop himself in as many different ways as possible and thereby fully enjoy his life experience. Be aware of the social aspect of everything. Like I said before, it didn't matter that I was on a street corner with endless opportunities, beautiful women passing me constantly, unless I was socially empowered to go out and interact with those women, I wasn't gonna be able to make that happen. And so many other opportunities. As I ran that small business as a performer, so many other opportunities would have simply passed me by if I didn't feel empowered enough to sell myself, to present myself well, to negotiate with people uh, for what I was really worth as a performer and to perform in a way that was inspiring, that people were gonna look to and then be drawn to. Just for a couple of examples, be flexible with your living situation, okay? Try out new things. Maybe go and live on the other side of the world and see what that's like, okay? Remember, nothing is permanent. I mean that in two senses, okay? This time that we have is all that you have. One day it will be gone. But also, on a smaller level, in terms of the small decisions that you make, 
just because you stop doing uh, some certain amount of work or stop living in a particular place doesn't mean that you can't go back there again if it doesn't work out for you in, in the new direction that you choose. And the last one, of course, location, location, location. And I do mean that in, in three senses, okay? Whereabouts in the world are you living? Whereabouts in your city are you living? And how do you manage your living space within that city? When I was living van life, what I would do would be to sleep in a van, but then on most mornings, I would either go and shower at the beach and make that part of my fitness routine or at the gym. Rather than paying for a shower cubicle in an expensive, let's say overpriced apartment in, in Bondi, okay, in the most expensive area of, of Sydney, I realized, wait a minute, if I spend $10 a week on my membership at this local gym, I can get a shower there for free if I can think outside of the box, if I can be brave enough to experiment, to see, could I get away with doing that? Could I hack my life situation? What exactly is possible? And I really hope that I've inspired you today to start thinking yourself about how you could diversify your income streams, how you could take more careful, calculated risks in order to achieve more life satisfaction. I hope I've inspired you to think about where you live, in the world, in your city, where you live, the different parts of, where you take your shower, where you eat your food. Is there some way you could manage that better so that you're not spending money on things that you don't use? Most importantly, I hope I've inspired you to realize that the social is everything. No matter what you find yourself doing, you will be interacting with other people. And so many of the guys who come to us initially because they're interested in more success in their dating lives, realize that the skills and understanding that you develop, the confidence, the inner power that you find as a man on our training programs inevitably bleeds through into all other relationships, which like I'm saying, are so significant to your life satisfaction, okay? You think you're enlightened, someone said to me. Go and spend a week with your family. Okay, <laughs> that's usually why Christmas is such a stressful period. You can transform those relationships when you find the kind of empowerment that you find. What workshop is it going to be in which you're going to get the training that's really going to transform not just your dating life, but your lifestyle in general. This is John for The Natural Lifestyles. For now, signing out. Thanks so much for listening to The Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Check us out on YouTube at The Natural TV. See you on the next episode.